ശ്രവണം മനനം നിധ്യാസനം ലെസൺ റിഫ്ലക്ട് ആൻഡ് അബ്സോർബ് ജിയർ ലിസ്നേഴ്സ് സൈറാം ആൻഡ് വെൽക്കം ടു അവർ റേഡിയോ സീരീസ് ഇൻ വിച്ച് എ ഡിവൈൻ ഡിസ്കോസ് ബൈ ഭഗവാൻ ഇസ് പ്ലേഡ് ഇൻ സ്മോൾ പാർട്സ് ആൻഡ് ഫോളോയിങ് ഈച്ച് പാർട്ട് എ ഷോർട്ട് ഡിസ്കഷൻ ഇസ് അണ്ടർടേക്കൻ ടു റിഫ്ലക്ട് ഓൺ ദ മെസ്സേജ് This is a part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Sai Prakash and Prem every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. In today's episode, which was first broadcast live on 28th November 2013, Professor Jeevanka Chaman, former Vice Chancellor of the Sri Satya Sai Institute of Higher Learning and the senior most member of Team Radio Sai participated as a guest. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian culture and spirituality in the year 1990. Offering a most humble pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet. Dear listeners, this is Prem from Team Radio Sai welcoming you to yet another episode of Shravanam Mananam Nididhyasanam and as always I am being joined by Brother Sai Prakash and like we had the pleasure last week we have this week to the company of Professor Venkatraman and if you were with us last week you would know that we were going through a comprehensive summary. We have finished 8 discourses in the 1990 summer course series. We are exactly midway and we completed summary of the first 3 discourses. and we are going to begin the summary of the fourth discourse and we pray to bhagwan to help us do this because as you will listen you will understand that this is not an easy task swami has said so many things and each one is as profound as the other and nothing can be left out we just pray to swami that uh, we are successful in this endeavor so to start the program i welcome professor venkatraman and brother sai prakash salam to both of you salam and as you were just mentioning uh this is definitely one step more difficult and one step subtler than the body in the last discussion we discussed the various aspects of the human body but now we are going on to the senses and the mind um so already we are going one step uh, into the subtler realms uh, you know swami starts off uh, very beautifully with uh, a very elaborate poem I think I should just read it out so it gives a very good context to the entire uh, discourse yes. on the senses. He says one may acquire great scholarship and come out victorious in assemblies of scholars one may be a great hero and win battles a galore one may generously give away in charity gold and cows one may be able to count the countless stars that adorn the sky one may be able to name the innumerable species of living beings one may be well versed in ashtanga yoga one may be successful in reaching the moon but no one can control their body and senses nor conquer their mind and keep it in a state of constant introversion and unshakable equanimity <laughs> that's uh, more or less like a challenge that swami is throwing open to everybody and uh, one thing which really comes out from this uh, poem is knowledge of the world and scholarship in the world is uh, an achievement in in sort but um, it has nothing to do with this inner world or uh, in your uh, uh, spiritual inquiry and your spiritual progress right 
and in fact swami is making the the last statement swami is saying to keep it in a state of constant introversion mm-hmm. you know you might be able to do it once in a while or some kind of control is possible but to keep it in that state of constant introversion and unshakable equanimity that, that's the real challenge that's the real challenge and um, swami of course brings out the point that senses are subtler than the body he says that the senses definitely wield a great deal of influence on the body right and then like uh, swami did on the discourse on the body where swami gave different definitions for the body swami does the same here with the senses too swami starts by calling the senses matraha True. he says that is a name and one meaning of this word matraha means a measuring instrument that's true that which gives you an ability to measure your environment around correct and swami speaks about the tongue where the mm-hmm. tongue gives you the ability to see whether the food is palatable or not true so it is a, in a sort all the senses are a measuring instrument a matra correct. and the other meaning of matra he says is a limit a matra this much alone so it's kind of a limit so senses also uh, have to be uh, used within limits then he uh, goes back to that uh, very famous analogy that's given in the katopanishad where he says the senses are equated to the horses of the chariot and from there swami draws this beautiful explanation of what is the ashwamedha yagna which is uh, very often referred to in most of the ancient scriptures mm-hmm. when swami says ashwa is a horse mm-hmm. and as swami mentioned before a horse is equated to the senses correct and medha is intellect correct and swami says why is senses and and a horse equated because the nature of a horse is to be constantly wavering constantly moving mm-hmm. and swami also says that's why the people tree is called the ashwatha tree correct because the leaves are constantly wavering True. and swami says ashwamedha means the fickle minded intellect mm-hmm. and to do a sacrifice of the fickle minded intellect mm-hmm. is what is ashwamedha yagna very good and uh, swami says that a person who does ashwamedha yagna in the older days mm-hmm. would be called a dhimanta correct means he is a man of great uh, valor mm-hmm. because he has the ability to control a horse correct and swami says in the spiritual field he is a dhimanta who is able to control his senses very true you know when we were just discussing about this first poem that swami had given before the uh, you know he actually started the discourse i was just wondering uh, when the knowledge that is so apparent and so prevalent in the world of today how do scholars and uh, scientists or even people who pursue it systematically sincerely and honestly all through their lives sir i would just like to ask you this uh, doubt how is it that in spite of all their knowledge uh, they miss this truth which uh, looks very obvious now after swami has brought it out the truth about your true nature when swami actually brings it out when we hear to the discourse we feel yes it, this is the truth and we feel very convinced about it of course putting it in daily practice is a different issue but um, the question that what we see and what we are seeing outside is actually an imagination how is it that most of the people who have sincerely pursued uh, knowledge have missed it well anybody can be fooled <laughs> if you go in the desert mm-hmm. Uh, because of <clears throat> natural phenomena you see mirages correct uh, so it's not that you are a fool mm-hmm. but things happen in a way mm-hmm. and uh, if you don't apply your discrimination you're getting fooled 
I'll give a very simple example. You go to a movie. Mm-hmm. Things happen in the movie, but you become so identified with what is happening. Uh, you become a part of the movie, you feel happy when there are things, uh, things are going nice and you feel unhappy when terrible things are happening and all that. Correct. You don't sit back and say, oh, that's just a fleeting image on a white piece of cloth. <laughs> you don't say that. Right. Correct. And uh, yet you know, actually you're paying money to get fooled. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Sometimes you pay a lot of money. <laughs> Especially on the weekends. <laughs> <clears throat> on the opening day particularly. Okay. You pay so much money just to be able to say. So, it just shows the power of of delusion mm-hmm. we just don't think uh, about these things in fact uh, it is really very strange and a very famous scientist called freeman dyson has talked about this openly he says this world is made of atoms mm-hmm. of course the atom has got subtlety if you ignore that the interaction between atoms is explained by a theory called quantum electrodynamics it's a very beautiful theory because it can predict results very very accurately the famous physicist richard feynman who was one of the discoverers of quantum electrodynamics or founding fathers he said is the jewel of physics but there were many versions of quantum electrodynamics one was offered by tomonaga in japan schwinger in america and feynman in america they all look very different mm-hmm. and this dyson said they are not different they are actually equivalent to each other and the feynman's version is the most useful one mm-hmm. so he is sort of one who categorized the vedas shall we say <laughs> now he says if i have to explain it i have to start with abstract quantum fields and then i can explain everything mountain tree whatever it is but when i see that <laughs> i don't see abstract i see a beautiful mountain and all that <laughs> so is that true or is this true this is a very important question for example have you ever wondered if you have seen a sunrise or a sunset the sun is very big and it's very red right but once the sun goes up see in the case of sunrise it becomes smaller mm. what did the sun go on a diet or something <laughs> in a few minutes <laughs> why did it look, look so big and red and now it's so bright mm-hmm. there is an explanation for it i won't go into all that nevertheless you perceive it so and uh, another example of how you are fooled we are sitting here we think everything is still but are you aware planet earth is moving at a tremendous speed in its orbit around the sun no 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 i am very still mm. even a yogi who is sitting and meditating meditating is actually moving <laughs> through space at a very fast speed correct so there is a thing called perception mm-hmm. and uh, this perception is given to us mainly for survival purposes mm-hmm. see you have been created with life and uh, you are supposed to live you are supposed to protect yourself so you have been given various input devices which are connected to the brain and the brain is connected to the body and depending on the inputs that you receive uh, 
control systems work and they take action. For example, you are going on the road, you see a thorn, the signal goes from the eye to the brain and the brain says, move over, avoid the thorn. So, that is necessary. Now, all the scientists and all that, they are describing a certain thing which they see with their eyes and experience with their senses. Mm-hmm. Perfectly reasonable thing to do. And they also know that what you see and the explanation give are different. The explanation is subtle, but what you see is very material and so on. But that they stop. Hmm. Uh, then they don't ask. They take for granted that space and time exist. We exist within that. And there is no need to question it any further. But the time has come when we have to ask that question because we now know that space-time that we experience mm-hmm. came into existence 13.8 billion years ago. Right. So what was there before that? That's one question. We don't know. There is speculation of all kinds, but nobody knows what is correct. And one man has even suggested how to verify whether there was a mother and that mother had a mother and so on. Maybe that experiment will get get done and we will get some clues. But then still there is another mystery. In this universe, life is pretty rare. We think life could be elsewhere, but so far we have not been able to detect it. Because life as we exist, as we see it on planet Earth, requires very special conditions. So, how did this life come about in this planet which was created as an inert object? Correct. <laughs> there are questions. Mm. So these wise people, if you ask them, they wouldn't be able to tell you. They are not wise. They are knowledgeable. In the olden days, people thought about these things and they realized there must be something beyond all that we see. Something that is transcendental. Is there such a thing? They said, let us find out. And then they realized that in order to find out such a thing, if it existed, they must get rid of all the disturbances. And the disturbances are the senses and the mind. So they first learned how to control the senses and the mind. Ashwamedha. Right. So from Medhavi, they went to Buddhiman. And through the tunnel of buddhi, they could see something beyond. Vedaha mehaam purusham mahantam adityavarnam tamasapparastatvam. He has quoted that. There is something beyond the senses. There is something beyond the mind. Since it is beyond the mind and the senses, I cannot write it down. I cannot describe it. Oh. <laughs> Only what the mind grasps can, becomes a thought and thought can be expressed as a word or written down or made into a movie or whatever. (laughs) But it is beyond the mind. Then how do you find that out? You have to experience it. Now what is the sensor that can experience that thing? Is it built into us? Yes. A piece of that thing is inside us. That is the Atman. This Atman can resonate with the eternal because that peace is here and that resonance you feel Mm -hmm. and you feel it as bliss 
and it is not such a weird thing mm-hmm. actually we have all gone through it but we don't know it correct go back to the days of darshan mm-hmm. you are sitting there and swami comes stops right near you he smiles <laughs> and for a moment you forget everything it is only him i remember one occasion mm-hmm. i had gone to brindavan for teaching i came back and uh, swami came and stood in front of me and gave an extraordinarily beautiful smile <laughs> i never got it again <laughs> and for that one second <laughs> i, I experienced bliss i can't even describe it Hmm. It never happened again. <laughs> But for one second, he, he just gave a glimpse of it. So th- can we be in that state for longer periods? Mm-hmm. Well, if you do TM, you can do that. Be for longer periods. Can we be there f- eternally? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. You have to merge with him. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So that means you have to get rid of the senses. This is a, a junk. I'll throw it out. But that's tough. comes through this so wise people whom we call they are not wise mm-hmm. they are knowledgeable and sometimes their knowledge is uh, gets uh, overtakes them mm-hmm. overpowers them i should say mm-hmm. and makes them mad egoistic and dangerous so a wise man will can never be danger dangerous mm-hmm. because he has gone beyond knowledge mm-hmm. this knowledge is of that of the world it is of no use to him Mm. he has to throw it away in order to experience bliss i don't know whether i answered your question yes yes very beautiful very, in very fact be- uh, one point which swami makes here i think it comes in the next discourse of the senses but since uh, we're talking about it swami says when the senses are drawn by the mind it becomes pravritti marga mm. but Absolutely. when it is pulled and drawn and uh, guided by the intellect it becomes nivritti marga you go inward and very interesting because what sir said generally that's what happens when you are attracted to an object you think having more of that object will give you more happiness but it is with a guru like how swami say you said about swami you felt that swami kindled that happiness which was inside you already and you tend to Absolutely. seek within instead of seeking more of it outside now getting on with the discourse then swami gives a very beautiful uh, analogy he says if if you have one wife itself it's difficult oh. to manage <laughs> and if you have two wives he gives the example of druva's father uttanpada right. then Pada. three wives he gives the example Dasarata. of dasharatha mm. then he says think of the mind the mind is a vip it has got 10 wives <laughs> so he says pancha karmendriyas and pancha gyanendriyas so the pancha gyanendriyas are sight hearing taste touch and smell and pancha karmendriyas are hands legs vocal cords organs of excretion and reproduction so he says uh, the mind you can imagine how it's stone has to please 10 wives <laughs> has to please 10 wives and uh, very beautifully uh, in the course of the discourse swami gives 15 methods to control senses i mean <laughs> no before they just talking about these wives just before this swami makes hey, a point why are you talking about wives <laughs> <laughs> no because sir swami makes a very good point swami says that understand the mind is the master mm. the problem is because you're treating the senses as the wives the mind as the husband and the senses as the wives mm-hmm. you have to understand that the mind is the master and these are the slaves oh having that kind of a relationship with the mind and the senses will actually give you more control over yourself mm. what is that again 
Swami says you have to understand that the mind is the master and the senses are the slaves. It's not the, the the mind should not act according to the senses. The senses should act according, according to, to what the, the mind dictates. Mind dictates. Inspired from buddhi. Yeah, but you must make it clear that you're not you are not saying that mind is your master. Ah, no, that's not true. that. <laughs> right. so the way you said it, I got that doubt. <laughs> okay. Not that way. Right. You have to master the mind. You have to master yes. the mind. Yes. And then, of course, going to the fifteen methods to control the senses. senses. <laughs> I think we should quickly run through. Uh, the first one is, of course, by understanding the nature of the senses that they are the horses, and uh, like uh, the becoming the mantra, like how we just discussed by doing the ashramaya yagna within ourselves. Then uh, he says the limit matra. The senses are called matra because they should be used within, within limit. the limit. Yeah. Then the other meaning of matra is it is only meant for a particular purpose. and you should not use it as you please you should use it for a particular purpose right actually one of the examples swami says is taking of snuff yeah the nose is meant for something use it only for that <laughs> you know using it for other purposes is he says there is a double fault there first of all you are not using the sense given to you properly second you are ruining your health <laughs> <laughs> then some practical things which swami says is keeping the senses busy mm. and not pampering them not right. giving them what they seek but giving them work Mm-hmm. to suit your uh, purpose in fact he connects this with the example from the katopanishad he says if you give the horses too much of importance and put them inside the chariot how will the chariot move forward the horses are meant to <laughs> pull the chariot and then equal mindedness is the best way for sense control because uh, swami gives that very beautiful analogy he says like somebody is talking ill of you it doesn't affect your peace of mind unless and until you hear it yeah so though it has been spoken uh, Ill about you. It doesn't hurt you because you have not heard it. No, it's not a question of not hear it, because uh, you don't become deaf. You hear it, mm-hmm. but you ignore it. Right. Mm. See, it goes to the mind, but mind says it has nothing to do with me. I don't know whom he is talking about. Okay. Right. So the sound will fall on the ears. The vibrations will go to the brain, mm-hmm. and the brain will report to the mind. Brain has to do. Mind is more than the brain. Right. Mm-hmm. Mind says uh, that's none of my business. <laughs> That can happen only when the mind follows its master, which is the Atman. Correct. I'm busy. Don't disturb me. <laughs> the mind should say that. Mm. One very beautiful way is devotion and complete surrender to God. Um, then your my senses are diverted and you know uh, surrender to God. So that is one way. Then it says um, purity of one's impulses, sincerity of purpose, and determination in treading the divine path that count rather than the environment. He says you cannot blame the environment. He says especially youngsters should not blame the environment. And Swami gives a wonderful example here. Swami talks about Kabir and Tukaram. Mm-hmm. One has a very good wife, the other has a very troublesome wife. Yeah. But he says both could reach God. Mm. because it doesn't depend on what is around you it depends Correct. on your sense of purpose and your uh, purity does he say what happens when there are two troublesome wives <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no probably becomes a sanyasi in <laughs> <laughs> the the other point swami makes is, is when the attention of any sense organ is distracted by something mm-hmm. it should be diverted to another desirable thing Correct. by means of a stronger incentive or disincentive mm mm-hmm. See that is a very important point which uh, most people miss. Sometimes it's very difficult to do certain things. For example, I met many people who come from countries where they eat a lot of meat. 
I try very hard. I am not able to give it up. Mm-hmm. I tell them, listen, do you love Swami? Oh, yes, yes, of course. If you really love Swami, why don't you do it for Swami? Mm-hmm. He will not be very happy. So, if you have some entity like that which you adore, you can easily sacrifice something because of your love for that person. Mm. Right. Otherwise, in the abstraction it becomes difficult because there is no way of diverting. Correct. I remember uh, Professor K.S. Krishna. He was a very brilliant uh, physicist. He was the founder, director of National Physical Laboratory and Prime Minister Nehru once said, I would rather be in this position, your position, than in the position I am. He loved science. He was a great scholar of Sanskrit and Tamil uh, spiritual literature and all that. And apart from being very good in physics. He was a good uh, South Indian Brahmin and he went to Russia many, many years ago. Soviet Union in those days. And he went to what was then called um, Leningrad. Now okay. it has become St. Petersburg. Petersburg. There was an institute for semiconductors and all that and they had invited him. And the, the, they had a big party. And in those parties, you know, the, the Russians love to get uh, drunk. So they came to him and said, you must drink this. He said, look, I don't drink this. Then he said, uh, you know, I can't drink because I gave my word to my mother. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't be a fool. Your mother is so far away. What will she know? <laughs> then he said, I had to think of a way of doing, getting rid of this fellow's pressure. <laughs> he said, all right. You say I have come to your country and I must do what you do. Fair mm. enough. Mm. But then, before I do that, you must do what I do in my country. <laughs> okay. If you do that, I will do <laughs> Do what you say. They said, okay, fine. Mm. Then he took a glass, filled it with water and then true South Indian style, he drank it like this. Oh, lifted the glass. Yeah, and glass and drank it. <laughs> they said, you do this. Without and they were all drunk. <laughs> they all did Abhishekam to themselves. So he said, see, you can do what I do. So I can't do what you do. And he escaped. He used his... Swami <laughs> says that yukti. <laughs> yukti. So what I'm trying to say is, he says, I've given my word to my mother and so I won't do it. Even though I'm here. That's the point I'm trying to make. Actually, one devotee was mentioning sir, a very beautiful point. He said that whenever Swami would give an interview, and in that interview, if there was a person who had just uh, had a puff of cigarette, Swami was very, very allergic to that smell of cigarette. And there were times when Swami would have an upset stomach after that interview and would not eat for two or three days. And he observed this and he said, Swami, why are you being like that? Swami said, I just cannot stand that smell. Because whenever I get that smell, I have to go back to my room and vomit. <laughs> That's how bad it is. And then after that, Swami told a very beautiful point. He said, see, always remember that Swami is in you. So whatever Swami does not like, if you intake it, understand that I'll be puking inside and I'll be struggling inside. Mm. And he said that became such a strong imagery for him that he just kept away from even the, uh, might not be something like smoking, but even the lesser uh, things which Swami would not like. Because that image of Swami struggling and suffering inside was so strong for him. Correct. Krishna takes it one step further. He says, when you beat another man, you don't know you are beating me. Hmm. I mean you and also in that person. That is something that uh, people, all the knowledgeable people don't understand. 
Otherwise, why would they build more and more horrible bombs? Hmm. And waste so much money. Hmm. And build up a tension for no reason at all. Hmm. How can you call them uh, intelligent? Correct. Then Swami gives uh, another uh, name. He says, senses are called Pashu. Animals. You should aspire to become Pashupati, the master of senses. Then, investigating the source of sense pleasure. He says, all um, sense pleasure is actually born from sorrow. He says, sorrow is the source because it is temporary. And the moment you satisfy your senses, the moment the moment is over, <laughs> it passes. He calls uh, it hunger. Hmm. I don't know about sorrow, but he used to call it hunger. Mm-hmm. See, uh, uh, you, you crave for it. Uh, hunger in the sense craving. Hmm. The normal hunger is natural. It is needed, built in because you have to eat, otherwise you will die. So it is given. But uh, hungering for something, you say. Hmm. Uh, what it means is craving. Correct. But craving makes you uh, go for it. Actually, very interesting psychological studies have been done. Mm-hmm. Craving comes from the mind. Okay. And once you yield to it, after a while, your brain gets hardwired. Mm-hmm. Then it's nothing to do with the mind. The chemistry of your body compels you to go for it. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, a drunkard knows that it is bad for him, but he cannot stop it. Mm-hmm. So when they go to rehab, basically they sort of unwire the hardwiring. via the mind okay so they have to literally subject him to mind control hmm. and unwire it so that the craving comes down so the problem starts with the mind and it has to be taken out with the mind like using a thorn to remove a thorn as swami sometimes says that's a very interesting uh, hmm. finding of modern science the craving hmm. uh, and in a, in a different sense It reminds me of what Duryodhana says. He says, I know what Adharma is, hmm. but I am sorry, I, I can't avoid it. It's almost hmm. like addiction to Adharma. Hmm. I'm talking of addiction to drugs hmm. and alcohol, but he was addicted to Adharma. He says, I know what Adharma is, but I am unable to pr- uh, prevent hmm. myself getting involved with it, indulging in it. Anyway, that answers one of the questions I wanted to ask. Uh, that is, when we see... Hey, I <laughs> seem to be clairvoyant. <laughs> <laughs> no, because one of the questions I was thinking of is, when you actually see, smell, hear, good or bad things, uh, what is it that decides that this particular thing is good or bad? Because if the senses, if the eye is seeing something, what is it that tells the eye that this is good or this is bad? Is it the self or is it the mind or... how what, what is it that prompts because the senses are just instruments through which you are seeing something but there is something else that decides that what you are seeing is good or not good that is buddhi that is buddhi yes. you see your uh, body temperature is supposed to be normally 98.4 in the old days i don't know what it is in centigrade <laughs> i'm too lazy to calculate <laughs> if the thermometer shows less then there is trouble. If the thermometer shows more, there is trouble. Thermometer doesn't know. Mm. It is you who know that the, that this is not good, that is good. Correct. Okay. The mm. same way, the buddhi mm-hmm. gives norms to the mind. 
this is good that is bad but what is the meaning of good and what is bad mm-hmm. good is that which will take you towards god mm. bad is that that will take you away from god that is the simple definition of good and bad very beautiful <laughs> or if you want it even simpler mm. good is what will make swami happy mm. bad is what swami will not be happy about it is as simple as that mm. so if you want to do something you can just ask honestly Mm. not fake <laughs> if i do this will swami be happy if you honestly answer that question it is very easy to find out what is good and what is bad all of us who have seen swami and experienced him in the sense of being with him and all that and i will heard him mm. are in a much more advantageous position with regard to discrimination than those who have not had that benefit So in fact one of our duties in radio sai is to make all this uh, kind of uh, criteria available to a wider audience correct so that uh, they can apply it also even though they might not have seen swami if you put it across in a proper way they will understand and uh, they, once they have the yearning mm. for swami they will also do the same things that's one of our jobs in fact um just for the benefit of our listeners there was one question i asked in one of the earlier sessions where you had given a very beautiful answer as to how do you decide whether the voice that comes from within is the voice of conscience or or the voice of mind now in swami's physical absence we always rely back on the voice of conscience and the beautiful answer that you actually gave is that Uh, there is absolutely only one answer that the wo- conscience gives there are no two answers <laughs> it's not a bargain sale <laughs> so <laughs> buy one you get two free or <laughs> in fact some people adapt the method of putting chits in front of swami swami's photo um, <laughs> who whose voice of conscience is very meek or very low Uh, but uh, that's a good method and uh, i have physically um, seen swami endorsing that method see it is uh, all right mm-hmm. provided you have total faith that's true mm. but if the thing comes out properly no no me i didn't maybe swami <laughs> didn't hear it so let me do it a second no, time no no best of threes and best of fives is not <laughs> <laughs> then you go to the third empire and <laughs> mm. like somebody said if you have a dilemma between two things you toss a coin when the co- coin is tossing you tossing you will know what you want to do <laughs> not when you actually uh, said i went tell she lose kind of thing that's all nonsense a simple thing is why put chits hmm why don't you go beyond that hmm. if you are all that uh, devoted to swami why don't you train your conscience to ask answer the questions that means you must clear up the buddhi channel this hmm. is a shortcut and i would say an addiction that's true yes given <clears throat> so many discourses right. why don't you pay attention to that? Uh, this is a way of you know almost insulting swami mm. you know you don't pay attention to his teachings and you want him to pick a chit for you what is this <laughs> is that all what god is lottery <laughs> he reduce him to lottery come on man give him a break <laughs> then he says if we look deep within we can see the fleeting nature of sense pleasure and attain detachment the defects that you attribute to the senses are in fact the defects in your own thoughts processes and feelings so correct them we accept mistakes by saying to err is human man has been blessed by god with an intellect so you have no reason to say the following the senses 
is okay. So he says, but just by saying to err is human is just a lame excuse. Absolutely <laughs> lame. <laughs> so, then following the census, so he says. I, whole, I I mean you know this this thing is uh, ridiculous. Supposing you uh, you are drunk, you drive, and you kill a man. Mm. Oh, to err is human. Can you say that? It's mm. not correct. In fact, the uh, the following that Swami makes a very uh, profound statement here. He says, "What you should strive for is freedom from the senses, and not mm. freedom of the senses." Mm. Exactly, they are two different things, fundamentally different. Mm. Freedom of the senses makes you a slave of the senses. Right, correct. Actually, you said the mind must master. In this case, right. the slaves become the master, and the mind becomes the slave. Right, correct, correct. Senses yeah. become the master, yeah. and the mind becomes so the in slave. In fact, uh, Swami actually in another place explains the Katopanishad analogy. Swami is saying, if the horse is given the free uh, ride, it pulls the reins. The reins are the mind. So hmm. the buddhi should be the one who holds the reins tight. And that's why Swami says the in the one on buddhi, he says hold the reins. Correct. And that's correct. the title of that discourse itself. Mm. Then uh, he says. Um, one important aspect he says character centered education learning to control the senses and lead virtuous life students must strive for this balance actually this is the point where swami is stressing on educating the intellect mm-hmm. where you are empowering the intellect so that the senses do not take the upper hand the education which is character centric that, that actually uh, does that in fact uh, that is one of my complaints today's education doesn't bother about that and even in the so called ehu and balukas we don't talk about these things we talk about very peripheral things okay it may be the child is very young you can't talk too much but you have to start you know training even the child even at a very early age the art of discrimination mm-hmm. art of discrimination must be taught there are various ways of doing it mm-hmm. and uh, the the discipline must start at an early age and then gradually when you build up then the child will get accustomed to it i give a very simple example in our system of music classical music you are not allowed to go apasruti even when you are young Mm. They don't say all right. Very later on, you can. In fact, it is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, Shruti and Talam, the teacher will in, uh, insist, and they will do. There are a lot of drills, mm. and Varnam and all that is part of the drill. Correct. And uh, you have to go through that. You have to go through that. We don't do all those things. We say there is no time. There is that. Lot of phony excuses are given these days. In fact, one of the tragedies. life is given to us by god and life is time time is the stuff life is made of as has uh, uh, been said somewhere if you don't have 5 minutes of this time mm. or if your life for god saying you are busy that is ingratitude mm. that today the people are all busy they are saying i am very busy i am very busy i am very busy so it has come to a stage where your science fiction is going to become true people will leave prashanti before they arrive <laughs> they are so busy <laughs> it's like that uh, story which they say a man who prays 10 minutes every day is accosted by his agnostic friend and he's saying you're wasting 15 minutes of your day you know every day you're wasting 
and he said okay see if let's say god is not there i wasted only 15 minutes and if god is there you wasted your life <laughs> you know i made such a valuable investment and you missed out on that <laughs> talking of a uh, little bit of science you know there is this concept of uh, the observer influencing the observed um like if you take the example of light is it a particle or a wave so that means what we are perceiving and trying to understand with our senses is it that uh, that knowledge is incomplete or that it is influenced by us how do we understand that see the you have made a huge jump mm-hmm. first let us come to observation there are two kinds of observation what is called active and passive mm-hmm. supposing there is a submarine okay uh, one submarine belongs to country a another submarine belongs to country b b thinks a is an enemy a thinks b is an enemy Mm-hmm. So B wants to find out whether A is around. Mm-hmm. Now, the submarine, if it is moving, its engine is working, so that engine will generate sound, and that sound will propagate through the uh, water. If B wants to do a passive observation, there are two things he must do. First is he must make his submarine very quiet. Mm-hmm. Today they are very quiet submarines. and i won't go into those details second thing is he must have very sensitive detectors because he is quiet a will not know he is there b is there secondly he has got very sensitive detectors and he will hear detect a by the sound a produces hmm. so this is passive hmm. the old days there was no passive thing they will send a sonar pulse and if there is a submarine it will uh, uh, reflect back as an echo Okay. So from that echo he will detect. That fellow, he will know that somebody is bouncing. So immediately he can send a torpedo and uh, attack you. Oh. <laughs> so that is passive mm. uh, and active. Now, coming back to your question, what is the last part of your question? Um, like when we are observing things yes. uh, through our senses, yes. uh, is it that uh, what we observe through the senses gives us an incomplete understanding of what it is? it depends on what you mean by understanding mm-hmm. at an empirical level the senses may give an understanding mm-hmm. you are walking and you see a snake mm-hmm. that is a empirical reality and you better avoid the snake as ramakrishna paramahansa says tiger is also narayana but that doesn't mean <laughs> you go and pat the tiger like you will pat your cat you will mm. be in great trouble <laughs> So there is an empirical reality and a practical response is mm-hmm. required. But is the tiger just a tiger? Mm-hmm. If you are able to realize tiger is part of creation and tiger has an aspect of the creator and has been put there for some purpose which creator knows, mm-hmm. then you will not disturb the tiger. it is none of your business to disturb the tiger or do anything like that mm-hmm. and unless you have that attitude you will sort of you run the risk of damaging the ecosystem of which you are a part correct you if you go on recklessly killing tiger as is happening now because uh, the it is uh, considered you know 
very healthy to eat this part of tiger and <laughs> that is that will cure this hmm. uh, disease of yours and all that there's a lot of chinese medicine based on tiger which is fake complete fake mm-hmm. then you're destroying the ecosystem without realizing you are a part of it you are not something separate from the system you are connected to it because today you are killing the tiger tomorrow you will cut trees day after tomorrow why day after tomorrow we are already polluting the air water and land you have come from them you are breathing the air in order to survive you are drinking the water in order to survive if the land is not there you will where uh, you you will if it's water you will drown and the land gives you food and you cut off cut yourself off from all these things and fill the land with mercury cadmium and junk uh, old uh, Uh, electronic equipment uh, asbestos from various places and things like that so what is causing this mm-hmm. is it understanding you have not understood correct you have understood only in a limited uh, respect this land its property i can make money i can bury the waste here you look at it that way no that's not understanding mm. understanding means understanding in a total context limited understanding is ignorance it's not understanding it's dangerous actually somebody who is addicted to a substance or something or let's say uh, somebody who is addicted to smoking to satisfy one senses he is ready to spoil the whole body i think that is what is happening in the largest section in the society like man is forgetting that to satisfy himself which is just a small part in this whole large entity he is ready to you yes, know uh, land the whole basically body basically this is own selfishness uh he wants to make money so he makes you spend money so, and that comes to him and that money comes to him because he gives you something and he makes you want it owners uh, <laughs> pride neighbors envy owners pride kind of thing <laughs> well very, do they still have that ad yeah. used to be in the <laughs> old days so no. <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> so maybe today's listener may not understand what you are talking about right. for the record it's an advertisement for a television television and when you buy it your neighbor gets jealous and that makes you happy not owning the tv <laughs> seeing his jealousy turning green with envy right. see i am better than you <laughs> i got vipra something lipsa, that is vipralipsa that is oh. jealousy and swami has mentioned that actually <laughs> in the next right, it has been there from very early times <laughs> the um, good part of the next discourse which is still on the senses is about controlling the tongue and um, swami gives lot of emphasis on controlling the tongue and uh, he says the four major uh, uh, lapses are lies rumoring backbiting criticizing and excessive talk <laughs> today we have made it into one fivefold mix uh-huh. okay. rumor excessive talk <laughs> mischief everything is made into one uh, multi flavored ice cream <laughs> no the wonderful analogy which swami gives here also is if you want to control the horse you have to bridle it in the mouth correct correct <laughs> so swami says we want to control your senses start with the tongue that's mm. the most critical thing in fact swami goes on to say that you know if the tongue is conquered it virtually amounts to mastering all the senses mm. and merging in the divine self that's how much importance i don't know whether you are noticing one thing two things first is in the gita krishna talks about these things very briefly you must control the senses and all that second thing is 
people who give lectures on the gita they will give lectures on the gita hmm. but swami talks to us in the same wavelength as krishna but in a more expanded form he doesn't bother to explain the gita he is expl- expanding the gita correct and that only god can do the fellows who talk about gita can only talk about gita hmm. they can make it interesting funny and all that whereas swami is striving very hard to give that lesson in 25 different ways so that at least one of them sticks <laughs> in one corner of your mind correct it shows enormous concern hmm. and who will be so concerned one who loves you dearly who is going to love you dearly only god why because you are a part of him hmm. that is one aspect we don't pay much attention to when we listen to swami's discourse we only talk about swami said this swami said that we don't talk about why he said that hmm. what he said am i following that how much trouble he has taken to tell us that I mean you you look at all the books written about the gita you won't find a single book that goes into all these details mm. i challenge you you show me one book i am ready to eat it <laughs> like that <laughs> and only swami has done that and that is because he is the one who gave the gita correct do you ever realize that as i sit listening to you recall this i'm just astonished it's just amazing i mean yeah uh, how much trouble he has taken to resonating with what you said sir though we have gone through these discourses in a span of at least 14 15 weeks it is still you know so much awe is inspired when we go through this because to the detail with which swami has gone especially in uh, the discourses no, about the, the mind the, and the, the senses the origin of that detail hmm. right is the love he is so concerned about you who will talk to you like that he will tell you in different ways so that at least one of them sticks in fact very befitting to this uh, strain of thought this discourse ends with the idea of gratitude and he says you buy a piece of land for which you pay money <laughs> you build a house for which you have to pay the money you uh, do everything for which you have to pay and you have to pay tax as well <laughs> but have you given any tax to god do you have gratitude to god do you show gratitude to god no, we don't by the way the land is given free to god <laughs> correct all the materials which you use for building come from raw materials created by god mm if brick is there where did the brick come from if sand has been used for mixing with cement where did the sand come everything water mm. everything has been god poor god gives everything free <laughs> and you said there is no god i don't believe in god wow. what a shame taking the whole thing one step subtler where he talks about the mind you know the famous uh, shloka where he says maneva manushyanam karanam vanda mokshayo the mind is responsible for bondage and liberation the mind itself is so vast and he classifies it into four aspects one is manas buddhi chitta ahankara manas is the mind the buddhi is the uh, discriminating in discriminating mind then chitta is where the memory is stored impressions and, uh, impressions and ahankara is when you identify yourself with the body right. 
ఆఫన్ డిస్క్రైబ్డ్ యాజ్ ఈగో ఈగో హీ కాల్స్ ఇట్ దేహాభిమానం కరెక్ట్ హీ సేస్ ఏ మైండ్ ఇస్ బేసికలీ ఏ బండిల్ ఆఫ్ థాట్స్ అండ్ దీస్ థాట్స్ గివ్స్ రైస్ టు ద అహంకార పాయింట్స్ టు రాంగ్ ఐడెంటిఫికేషన్ యాక్చువల్లీ యు ఆర్ అహం కరెక్ట్ ఇన్స్టెడ్ ఆఫ్ ద ఐడెంటిఫైయింగ్ యువర్ సెల్ఫ్ విత్ అహం యు ఆర్ ఐడెంటిఫైయింగ్ విత్ ద బాడీ దేహాభిమానం కరెక్ట్ and that is wrong identification mistaken identity and then you ruin your whole life believing you're that not mm. this correct so he says that you attach the aham to the akara mm. ahankara <laughs> that becomes ahankara <laughs> exactly form that is why they have been mono and you start loving it <laughs> right and do go any extent to foster it here actually swami starts that discourse in the mind by saying why should we look keenly at the mind why should we understand the mind there swami says this thing where he says basically any entity is a combination of the mind the body and the atma and when these three are coordinated when you understand that it is mind body atma and you are, these are coordinated in line with the other then it's a man no not enough the, there is a hierarchy atma first mind next body last so it must be a m b exactly <laughs> not <laughs> giving any one other combination is right. uh, dangerous <laughs> there are two aspects which swami brings out in the two discourses that he is uh, dealing with the mind he says uh, the mind is subject to three kind of pollu- pollutions mala vrikshepa and avarna mala is like having dust on a mirror so that is uh, Uh, due to actions accumulated over many births impressions stored in the chitta that is mala and uh, he says this dust or dirt can be removed by proper ahara and vihara because the subtle aspect of the food goes and influences the mind vikshepa on the other hand is constant wavering before that mala swami says a universal solution is brahmarpanam <laughs> that's offering true offering everything to offering god offering everything to god because swami says that patra shuddhi padartha shuddhi you cannot ensure all that so brahmatnam is the best way vikshepa is uh, constant wavering and he says to still this uh, this defect of the mind the navaveda bhakti marga is the best and then avarna is like putting a cloth on the mirror and uh, he says this is caused by the kama krodha lobha moha by the way talking of cloth of the mirror mm. or the mirror a funny thing happened many years ago in one of the district offices in uttar pradesh mm-hmm. and uh, it's a government office and uh, they were auctioning liquor licenses <laughs> so everybody had come the auction was about to take place somebody said hey mahatma gandhi's photo is there so they took a bit sheet and put it over it <laughs> <laughs> and then they conducted the auction <laughs> so <laughs> what does it last word avarna avarna so <laughs> he is watching he all his life he said uh, he was against uh, liquor so he said uh, let him not say avarna that's <laughs> in fact they believed that he is watching that itself is great <laughs> no, I, i remember another incident when uh, one of our students you know at home he was at home he was watching tv and just beside the tv there was a calendar of swami so he got a little guilty and what he did he took the calendar rolled it up and he continued seeing tv <laughs> and when he came back and swami was giving darshan swami walked up to him and very very softly even the next person wouldn't have heard swami told swami calendar mein nahi hai ra and walked away <laughs> how do you know if he is very soft <laughs> no this boy himself shared okay. because he was so moved by that act of swami that love with which swami came and told him 
and that concern that you know he shouldn't be embarrassed but at by least saying that. he thought he was watching right. <laughs> that, that is something that to start with <laughs> and swami says the only way to remove this avarna is to love all and serve all so i think uh, it comes back to that <laughs> right and then of course swami gives another four or five uh, different other pop, uh, pollutions which the mind suffers from but eventually the way swami ends that discourse is very beautiful swami says okay i've told all this now i've told you all the problems the mind has the senses have but to give it to you all in the easiest way what you're supposed to do is think no evil think what is good see no evil see what is good hear no evil hear what is good talk no evil talk what is good do no evil do what is good he says remember these five sentences all will be taken care of and that's how swami ends this discourse on the mind the two discourses on the mind so i think in a very hurried way we have summarized what swami has spoken on the mind but eventually when we uh, complete the entire set of discourses we should go back revisit and revise the syllabus because uh, most of it is like a very well structured syllabus laid out in front of us then what are you trying to revise i don't understand now go back to these points again and then uh, recollect them um that would uh, contribute to shravanam part of it mananam and nididhyasanam nididhyasanam we have to follow nididhyasanam is applying to real life that's true you see for example that fellow watching tv mm-hmm. he knew he was not supposed to waste his time still he find a way of uh, you know of this uh, like dodging income tax <laughs> so that uh, that's not correct so really speaking that is what understanding is all about you asked about understanding he is not understood he is trying to bypass it bypass ne kaam chalega so thank you sir thank you for this wonderful uh, session and that dear listeners brings us to the end of this summary which we endeavored the first eight discourses so next week hopefully we'll start with the ninth discourse in the series and uh, continue the same format we've been following all these weeks so on behalf of all of you i thank professor venkatraman to for being with us and on behalf of saiprakash and venkatraman sir this is prem from team radio sai we offer this effort of ours at bhagwan's lotus feet and as always thank him for this opportunity sairam you just heard an episode of our radio series shravanam mananam nididhyasanam that is listen reflect and absorb This is a segment that is hosted live on Thursdays at 7:30 p.m. by Team Radio Sai's Sai Prakash and Prem only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. In today's episode which was first broadcast live on 28th November 2013, Professor Jeevankatraman, former Vice Chancellor of the Sri Satyasai Institute of Higher Learning and the senior most member of Team Radio Sai participated as a guest. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian culture and spirituality in the year 1990. To listen to the next part of this program, tune in same time next week and please do write to us and let us know what you think about this program by writing to listener@radiosai.org. Thank you and sairam from Prashanthi Nilayam.